Hello and welcome back to this episode of High Yield Podcast of Medicine. In this episode, we start discussing individual anxiety disorders. Beginning with generalized anxiety disorder, what factors in definition should be taken into consideration? One is the anxiety as the term generalized describes it is not related to a specific situation, event or person, but happens in relation to multiple activities or events. The second important component of definition is that it results in significant functional impairment. Now, what is the diagnostic criteria for generalized anxiety disorder regarding duration or symptom threshold? Duration requires the anxiety and its associated somatic symptoms be present for at least six months and at least in most days that is more than half of the days during this six months period for example if a patient says i have this generalized pattern of worries and anxiety that only happens on let's say mondays even if it has been present for more than six months, that does not meet the requirement as long as it's not present in most days. Now, what is the symptom criteria? Symptoms of anxiety or worry plus at least three of the somatic associated symptoms. What are these somatic associated symptoms? Restlessness, loss of energy or easy fatigability, concentration impairment, sleep disturbance, irritability, and muscle tension. You can remember it by REX-IT mnemonic. Restless, energy loss or easy fatigability, C for concentration impairment, S for sleep disturbance, I for irritability, and T for tension in muscles. What are the general rule-out categories that's usually required for a diagnosis of primary psychiatric disorder? The symptoms should cause functional impairment. The symptoms are not caused by substance of abuse or medication and the symptoms are not explained by a general medical condition. Put it simple, we have duration criteria, we have symptom threshold criteria which is three out of REX-IT symptoms and then we have rule out requirements to build our diagnosis. What is the first-line treatment for generalized anxiety disorder? First-line is considered SSRIs. What are the alternative pharmacotherapies? Serotonin partial agonists like buspirone or SNRIs such as venlafaxine and duloxetine. And finally, TCAs or benzodiazepines. And final question regarding GAD or generalized anxiety disorder is how do we diagnose it in pediatric population? In addition to anxiety, only one of the somatic symptoms of Rexit is required, not three of them. For pediatrics diagnosis. Talking about the important differential and category of anxiety disorders in DSM-5 which is substance and medication induced anxiety disorder. What are the common substances whose intoxication may cause 
anxiety. You can think of almost all stimulants or sympathomimetics such as amphetamines, cocaine, caffeine, theophylline, and yohimbin, but also include amyl nitrate, anticholinergic medications, as well as hallucinogens and cannabis. What substances will have their withdrawal causing anxiety? Of course, CNS depressants, such as alcohol and opioids. However, remember antihypertensive medications withdrawal as well as caffeine withdrawal could also be associated with anxiety. So caffeine is unique in that both its intoxication and withdrawal could cause anxiety. And finally, we have an important diagnostic category, which is also a differential of generalized anxiety disorder, and that is anxiety due to other or general medical conditions. What are the examples of such medical conditions? in which we may have anxiety. A variety of neurologic disorders, including epilepsy, Huntington's disease, Wilson's disease, multiple sclerosis, as well as cerebrovascular accidents, migraine, and meningoencephalitis, or even neurosyphilis. What are the common endocrine disturbances that could manifest with anxiety? Hyperthyroidism, pheochromocytoma, female virilization disorders. What systemic and inflammatory conditions could be associated with anxiety? Any cardiopulmonary condition that cause hypoxia, as well as other conditions associated with reduced tissue perfusion, such as anemia. And on the side of inflammatory disorders, we have most common connective tissue disorders and autoimmunities, such as SLE, rheumatoid arthritis, and other arthritis that cause anxiety. What other medical conditions that we can categorize as miscellaneous conditions could also manifest with anxiety? Well-known examples are hypoglycemia, carcinoid syndrome, premenstrual syndrome or premenstrual dysphoric disorder, and certain vitamin deficiencies such as B12 deficiency or pellagra. At the end, remember, mercury, arsenic, and organ phosphate poisoning can also manifest with anxiety. Make sure you listen to our differential diagnosis section for some hints for each one of these conditions to be differentiated. Now, let's move on to separation anxiety disorder. True or false, this condition only is diagnosed exclusively in children and pediatrics population. That's false. Now, there is a symptom duration criteria that separates the diagnosis between adults versus pediatrics population. But what is separation anxiety disorder? Is a fear of separation from loved ones that manifests when separating from home or leaving the home or sleeping away from loved ones. That's even in a different room within the same home. So this takes care of the separation part. What is the anxiety manifestations? Worries about harm to loved ones, fear about isolation from loved ones, or worry about separation from loved ones. That is, even if the separation has not happened. The manifestations of such worries and fears could be nightmares or the common physical symptoms of anxiety as we discussed earlier. Now, what is the timing or duration criteria for separation anxiety disorder in pediatrics versus adult population? Three of the symptoms as we discussed earlier should be present for at least one month if under 18 years old or at least for six months in an adult to 
be diagnostic for separation anxiety disorder. Again, the eight symptoms are anxiety with separation from home, anxiety when leaving the home, anxiety when sleeping away, and worry about such changes, worry about harm to loved ones, worry about separation from loved ones, and fear of isolation. These manifest as nightmares or physical symptoms. Okay, let's move on to selective mutism. While definition is self-evident and that's inability to speak, we should remember that it happens in certain social situations. And we should also remember that the patient does not have any organic, mechanical or anatomical barrier to speaking or voice production. The timing duration is at least one month of such selective mutism. So remember that selective mutism is a diagnosis of exclusion. That means a separate disorder or a separate barrier to social, educational, or occupational functioning should not be present for the diagnosis of selective mutism. So once more, it is simply inability to speak in public for at least one month in the absence of other diagnosis. This brings us to the discussion of phobias, beginning with social phobia, also known as social anxiety disorder, as it can be an important differential for selective mutism. What is social phobia or social anxiety disorder? It is an irrational fear of public situations. It's not just inability to speak in public situations, but it is a fear of public situations, and that helps distinguish it from selective mutism. So now let me ask you this very important question. A person is excessively feared and worried about public speaking. What's the diagnosis? This is social phobia. This is not selective mutism. He's afraid of speaking in public. He's not being shut down in public. What is shy bladder syndrome? Shy bladder syndrome is an example of social anxiety disorder or social phobia associated with fear of using public bathrooms. What is important about epidemiology of social anxiety disorder? Social anxiety disorder is possibly the only type of anxiety disorder that affects men and women equally, while the rest of them are twice as likely to happen in women than in men. Now, does social anxiety disorder happen among children? Yes, remember that social anxiety disorder usually occurs during early teen years and can even develop during childhood. Now, true or false anxiety about sexual performance is a type of social phobia. That is true. Performance anxiety examples include public speaking, test taking, and sexual intercourse. In other words, the symptoms of anxiety that are provoked only by performance situation in the presence of others. Another group of phobias are specific phobias. What is their definition? Marked, excessive, or disproportionate anxiety or fear that's provoked by exposure to a special object or situation. Now let's go through some terms and definitions. What is acrophobia? Acrophobia means fear of heights. What is ilurophobia? Ilurophobia is fear of cats. What is cynophobia? Cynophobia is fear of dogs. 
What is hydrophobia? Obviously, it means fear of water. What is claustrophobia? It's fear of closed spaces. What is agoraphobia? It's fear of open places. What is misophobia? Misophobia is the thing that's referred in lay public language as germophobia. It's fear of dirt and germs. What is pyrophobia? It's fear of fire. What is xenophobia? It's fear of strangers. And finally, what's zoophobia? That's fear of animals. What is the principal defense mechanism in phobias? It's displacement, projection, and avoidance. What is the main components of the affect states in patients suffering from any type of phobia? Shame and embarrassment. Remember that we mentioned that phobias include excessive fear of criticism, humiliation, or embarrassment, for example, in a given situation in public. Now, while we mentioned general symptoms of anxiety can be produced in phobias upon exposure to the fear object or situation, there are some other signs and symptoms that are also possible, including certain somatic and bodily symptoms. What are they? They include nausea, tremor, urinary frequency, and even panic attacks. Now, in what type of specific phobia the patients may become housebound and never leave the home alone? That is agoraphobia, which is anxiety about being in crowded or open space places when the escape seems impossible or difficult. Now, what is the first-line treatment for social anxiety disorder, also known as social phobia? Either cognitive behavior therapy or pharmacotherapy with SSRIs are considered first-line and neither one is proven to be superior to the other based on 2021 updated references. What is the basic principle of treatment of most phobias? Self-exposure to the feared situation or object in a graded manner. What is it referred to as? This specific method of cognitive behavior therapy is called systemic desensitization through incremental exposure. What's an important component of this method after exposure? Relaxation techniques. What are the alternatives to SSRIs for the pharmacotherapy of phobias? Benzodiazepines for the different types of phobias. However, for performance anxiety or phobia, first-line treatment is always beta blockers such as propranolol. What are the alternatives to beta blocker propranolol for the management of social anxiety disorder performance type? The other medications that we already mentioned for social phobia, including cognitive behavior therapy, SSRIs, or benzodiazepines. Remember, the same approach applies to specific phobias, meaning that first-line treatment is cognitive behavior therapy or SSRIs, and second-line is benzodiazepines. Now, talking about panic disorder, I would like you to be very clear about the definition of what is considered kind of a criteria for panic disorder. To draw your attention for the common mistakes in the panic disorder diagnosis, I want to use some true or false challenges. True or false, panic disorder is any anxiety disorder in which panic attacks happen. That is false. Remember, panic attacks can be present in anxiety and other psychological disorders in addition to panic disorder. So what are the requirements for diagnosis of panic disorder? Presence of panic attacks that are recurrent and cause persistent worry about future attacks 
or behavioral changes to evade possibility of future attacks to a point that can impair patient's function. And finally, the most important requirement is that at least two of the panic attacks should be unprovoked or unexpected for the diagnosis of panic disorder. So remember, panic attacks could happen in an anxiety disorders other than panic disorder. Panic attacks that can happen in panic disorder could be provoked or unprovoked, but the unprovoked ones are required for the diagnosis. Do you remember what were the other diagnostic requirements? The attacks are recurrent, causing the patient persistent concerns and worrying about them, and behavioral changes to evade them. And finally, is there any duration criteria for these symptoms to fulfill the threshold requirement for the diagnosis of panic disorder? Yes, these findings, the concern or worry or behavioral change should be present for at least one month. Remember, we are talking about panic disorder criteria, not panic attack criteria. So what is definition of panic attack? Panic attack is a period of intense fear and discomfort that usually peaks in 10 minutes and has at least four of these 13 signs or symptoms. Well, you can memorize the 13 signs and symptoms possible in a panic attack by the mnemonic PANICS. P-A-N-I-C-S. P stands for palpitations or paresthesias or depersonalization, derealization. A stands for abdominal distress. N for nausea. I for intense fear of death or intense fear of losing control or going crazy. Remember this intense fear of death is also referred to as the sense of impending doom. I capital also resembles L lowercase so you can remember also lightheadedness and C as in chest pain, chills, choking and S for sweating, shaking, shortness of breath. There is however a better way to memorize them and I want you to remember that patient has two group of symptoms either MI-like symptoms, symptoms resembling that of myocardial infarction or neuropsych symptoms. So MI symptoms include tachycardia, palpitation, shortness of breath, chest pain, diaphoresis and nausea and neuropsych symptoms include dizziness, paresthesia, chills or heat, trembling, fear of death or going crazy, and depersonalization, derealization. I cannot emphasize understanding of the criteria for panic attack and panic disorder. Once more, remember, if you have four out of these 13 signs and symptoms that happen within a period of intense fear, and peaks in around 10 minutes, this is called panic attack. If we have recurrent panic attacks in a way that at least two of them are unexpected and such attacks happen in a period of at least one month and result in at least one of the following three changes, that is called panic disorder. Change number one, persistent concern of the future attacks. Number two, worrying about consequences of attack. Number three, behavioral changes to evade the attacks. Why it is important? Because panic attacks could happen in other anxiety disorders. In other words, mere presence of a panic attack does not fulfill the criteria for panic disorder. Okay, that said, 
You may remember that we learned panic disorders, usually in association with agoraphobia or fear of crowded spaces that results in avoidance of such situations. However, remember the modifiers panic disorder with or without agoraphobia are no longer used in DSM-5 and the reason is now panic disorder and agoraphobia are each new separate diagnosis. That said, I would like you to remember that panic disorder may lead or be associated with agoraphobia in 30 to 50% of cases. Also, I would like you to remember that panic disorder has a strong genetic component and increased risk of suicide. Also, when it comes to differentials of panic disorder, no need to remind ourselves on the fact that such Signs and symptoms seen in a panic attack or disorder should not be explainable by substance use, medications, or another medical condition, as this is always the requirement for primary psychiatric diagnosis. Now, what is the treatment recommendations for panic disorder? The treatment focuses on management of the acute panic attack as well as long-term management. So, what is the best initial treatment during the panic attack? Benzodiazepines. What is the long-term treatment for panic disorder? That is SSRIs. And finally, we have an important condition also emphasized by USMLE content outline and that is hyperventilation syndromes. What is definition and requirement for diagnosis of hyperventilation syndrome? Hyperventilation by definition is an intermittent episodic elevation of minute ventilation and diagnosis requires absence of any cardiopulmonary disorder or other medical conditions. In other words, it is an increase in minute ventilation when all the possibilities are ruled out. What are the symptoms of hyperventilation syndrome? The same symptoms of a panic attack. What is the diagnostic workup recommended for hyperventilation syndrome? Diagnostic workup focuses on ruling out the organic causes of hyperventilation. Please make sure you review your differentials of hyperventilation. But for now, remember the most common organic causes of hyperventilation include any cardiovascular disorder, any pulmonary disease, several metabolic endocrine and electrolyte abnormalities on which we have metabolic acidosis and hypoglycemia on top of the list. Then we have neuropsychiatric disorders. And finally, we have conditions such as liver failure, uremia, sepsis, and when all of these are ruled out, we can diagnose hyperventilation syndrome. What is the management for hyperventilation syndrome? For the acute management, reassurance and breathing retraining is recommended. So pay attention to the fact that contrary to panic attacks here, we do not initiate short-acting benzodiazepines. Only if acute attack of hyperventilation fails to respond to reassurance and breathing retraining, then we try short-acting benzodiazepines for the management of acute attack of hyperventilation syndrome. What is the management for recurrent episodes of hyperventilation syndrome? First, we again try breathing retraining. Then we apply cognitive behavior therapy. And if all of these fail, we initiate using SSRIs. Remember two things. Benzodiazepines are never used as long-term management for either 
panic attacks, panic disorders, or hyperventilation syndrome. And finally, also remember, paper bag rebreathing is not advised anymore for the management of hyperventilation syndrome. And this finishes our discussion of anxiety disorders.